just realized I'm on mute. Welcome to a Latte Firm special feature. It's the first time that's happened in a long time. Forgive me. It's a special feature. We are, of course, halfway through the Premier League season this year. Arsenal have played 19 games. We are top of the league and we're five points clear of our closest rivals, Manchester City. So I thought, what better time than to do a mid-season review? So we're going to look back at the start to the season. We are going to review the transfer window, which is slammed shut a couple of days ago. And Arsenal, of course, announcing three new signings in the space of a few days. Will it be enough? Won't it be enough? We're going to dissect all of that. And I want you guys to chat along the chat. So I'll get loads of your comments up on screen. We'll then talk about our best moments of the season. Any one moment could have been a goal, could have been a moment, could have been a celebration, whatever it was. We're going to talk about our favorite moment of the season so far and there have been quite a few then we'll name our best players our star players star performers and then we'll go into our most disappointing moment and um, we'll finish the show by making some predictions for the season ahead and as per usual many of you've been waiting so patiently in the background uh, let's get through some of the content chat so vlad's in the house hey fk hey everyone looking forward to this hopefully the negotiations with your wife have been successful ah that is a delicate situation v vlad anybody who is curious as to know what what's happening there just check my twitter timeline uh, freddie preston says evening guys v vlad very good point i assume the fact that he's still here tonight means he hasn't told her yet or he struck gold and she trusts the process yeah basically i may as well just say it we had a a family holiday booked about a year ago for the last weekend of May, bank holiday weekend, flying out on the 26th of May, coming back 3rd of June because it's half term. It was a family trip to Mauritius. Um, I then realized going up to the Etihad last week that our final league game was on that weekend against Wolves on the 28th. And of course, if this season turns out to be quite special, that could be a special day. So two days ago, I called up three days ago now, called up Qoni. Shout out to Kioni, who've been marvellous during this process, and cancelled the holiday. And for two days, I was really anxious about how to tell my wife, and finally got the courage to do it yesterday, and it wasn't pretty. Uh, so we're negotiating terms, we're negotiating future holidays, and I have to buy her a handbag, which I'm going to amortise over eight years. So uh, yeah, I look forward to that. Right, sweet munchkin, munchkin in the house, looking forward to catching the gorgeous Yembele. Is that your wife, Yem, in the background, just chatting? Uh, loads of nice comments. We'll get that through. Enough of me. Let's let's bring on the guests. First up, he needs no introduction. It is, of course, the gorgeous Yembele. How are you? You're on mute as well. This is great. We, we, we've gone for the double. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Do you know, it's just that Welcome. day. Do you know, it's 10.30 at night. It is, you know, I need, you know, usually I'm asleep by this time now, given, given my age and everything. But, yeah, thank you for the kind words. I appreciate you. I'm uh, looking forward to this. Mm, yeah, I'm looking forward to it as well. Paras in the chat saying gargantuan. Alpha M Wolf Gaming. Evening, late latte drinkers. Evening, FK. It's good to have you guys. Always in saying good evening, folks. Easy S. Good evening. Um, and Uncle Doris. Yeah, V Vlad. Pips everyone again. Good evening, everybody. Get clicking that like button. Yes, well over 100 of you watching live right now. Do drop a like on the video and subscribe to the channel. Right, let's bring in our next guest. It's James. Welcome, James. Oh, make sure I don't make it a triple. I have unmuted. Um, how are you, Ben? Not bad. Good. It's been a, a long couple of days at work for me, at deliberately trying to stay away from World War Three at home. But um, I'm good, man. I'm good. I'm 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 right. I'm happy. Let me just ask you: Did you go with the Edu approach, where you you built up slowly and you made went for a second round and then a third round, maybe, or did you go for the Todd Bowley approach, where you went straight for it, just just laid it all out on the table, and that that was it? Mate, I, I basically just didn't want to come home for two days and tell her the news. Um, you know, 
and I then I did. Believe, I can't believe you didn't you didn't speak to her first about it. I, I think he, it's he, do you know what you realized if you did if you did she would have said no. So no, but here's the scary thing. Here's the scariest thing, James. James, the scariest thing is he hatched this plan literally. At, he he as soon as he figured it out. Because we were all driving up. As soon as he figured it out, he literally went, I've got to cancel the holiday. It was we actually both me and Waleed went, What? You're not gonna yeah. cancel your holiday for this, are you? Yeah, it's a title. And then I did it. And we've been I mean, we're talking now, we're talking. She wasn't happy. Um, and Yem knows Farisa, so uh, yeah, it's not, yes, not the easiest, not the easiest conversation to have. So we're now negotiating two holidays and a handbag. So um, yeah, that's just the way that it's going to work. Yeah, eight years should right, be all right. Eight, in, eight, eight years should be fine. Let's bring in Was. Right, Was, welcome to the firm. How are you, mate? You're just giggling good, away in the buddy. background. Yeah, I'm just enjoying listening to your struggles with um, the old family life, mate. But to be honest, you, you've made the error. You've rectified the situation. You're on your way back up now, so let's hope it's all worth it. You know what I mean? Because otherwise, we, to, to, to pay all that money it. on the handbag and the holidays, and, and we don't win it, you've had a mare, mate. But I'm full, I'm, I'm fairly confident. Come on, well, <laughs> I'm fairly confident. <laughs> we shall see. Well, we'll see what the amortization over eight years will be spread. You know, yeah. spread the cost. It should be fine. Avoid the FFPs. Yeah. Uh, uh, I hope so. <laughs> if we don't win it. I'm in big, big trouble. Uh, right, Josh in the chat. FK, we started <laughs> out, out here, bro. She wore, Eddie, Eddie. Yes, she wore, has a a super present for me, uh, which is going to be unleashed tomorrow on social media. He, he sent me a very nice little package in the post. Um, I will leave the mystery until tomorrow. Um, yes, I know I was on mute. Sorry, my apologies. FK, what a legend. Well, I'm still alive, so uh, that's a good start. And Henkaho, FK, my man, lovely to see you. And, of course, all the guests. Kalem in the chat, first time, I think. Greetings from Ireland, folks. Let's take another step towards a title this Saturday lunchtime. Right, look, first up, chaps, I wanted to thank you for making the time. Tonight's a very unusual show. It's not really a late-night latte. It's more of a special feature. We're going to talk about the mid-season review. So I want to get your thoughts, firstly on the start that we've made. I mean, let's bring up the slides as we do normally. James, I want to start with you. In your wildest dreams, did you ever have Arsenal as being top after 19 games and being five points clear? No. Um, I didn't, obviously, didn't even consider us being probably in the... Maybe pushing third is probably the highest I'd have gone. Um I've always thought that when we've had our strongest team, um, we've been able to compete with anyone. We saw that against Man City at the end of last season, but we've never been able to have our strongest team. At the end of last season, we were able to put some good runs together, but then the performances against Spurs and Newcastle showed that we were quite mentally weak still at that point. Um, but I think looking back, you could see that when the pieces were in place, we had the potential. Not, not this far, don't get me wrong, nowhere near as good as we've been but to be really challenging and up there. And now we've been able to do that. So Tierney last season, who was considered one of our most important players, because when he wasn't there, Tavares was filling in, doesn't even start for us anymore because we've got Zinchenko, who now arguably is one of our most important players. Um, and just the, the technical level that's been raised from our signings with Gabriel Jesus, Zinchenko, I think Erdegaard's really stepped up a level this season. Um it's it's incredible, and I do sometimes look at our team and go into a transfer window and think, where can we improve? Because there are not that many starters that I think, yeah, we should sign this player to improve them. Because we're just in a good place right now, and 
I think the the team in terms of depth is pretty much complete. So the summer transfer window will be an exciting one because we really are putting the icing on top of the cake now. Was James says that we are in a good place. You've been a long-standing advocate of Mikel Arteta and his coaching abilities. You can see on the image on the right-hand side there, courtesy of now underscore Arsenal, we were 11th after 19 games in 2021, fourth after the same number of games in 21-22. And here we are, sat at the top of the Premier League in 22-23, five points clear. I mean, even you must be surprised. I know you love Arteta and you love the process and you've been raving about all of this, but... This must be way before your expectations was. Don't, don't get me wrong, mate. There was big times where I was very, very close to saying enough's enough here, you know, because down them years, it hasn't been plain sailing and, and you have to understand that as a fan and it, and it genuinely hasn't and we've all seen it. But for me, it was more the consistency. I could, I could see throughout the pre-season there was the consistency in shape, the balance, the new system. It's actually being implemented. I saw it towards few, on occasions at the back end of last season we didn't ever see that consistently performed. And whether that was because of personnel or because Arteta was just finding his way or what he actually wanted to achieve. But when you sort of saw the, the, the levels of, of football that we were playing in, in, in pre-season, a lot, and I know it's pre-season, it's a load of nonsense, but the, the big build-up and then to turn up Friday night under the lights, the whole Premier League wants Arsenal to lose, new signings in place, we're turning up at Palace, such a difficult game. And we just looked the nuts. And, I, and I'm standing there thinking... Well, this ain't this ain't normal. What like what what's going on here? And 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 right from the word go, and I'm sure we'll elaborate. But every time we've took a knock throughout this season, we've responded immediately. Even the second game of the season, we'll all remember it. We're two new up. William Saliba scores an own goal. I've not seen the Emirates react like that. It, it's so early in the season, and there's such a a belief and an understanding. And I think the way it, it begun. And 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 we will talk games, I suppose we'll. But it's just from day one. Something's been different this year and, and it's, it's throughout the entire squad. But I think the, the most important thing, the most thing that I've enjoyed the most is that balance and is that structure because whatever happens, we're reverting to type. We're playing the same way. Players know what they're doing. It's, it's now become to a point where it is so fluid and it's just it just happens. And everyone knows what they're doing. No one has to worry about. Everyone in the stands knows what's going on. If something goes wrong, we can see it straight away. Something goes right, we can see it straight away. There's something to believe in, something to get behind. And and as a as a fan, to experience that, it means so much because for years we've been disjointed. Ever since you know the back end of Arsenal, onto Emery, we sort of lost our identity. Things were changing, left, right, and centre. Players coming and going, and now look at us, a settled, balanced team, a settled balanced system, a manager who clearly knows what he's doing and it really is just the beginning. So to be where we are now and in this situation, it's nothing anyone would have expected, but it's bloody brilliant and it's deserved, I'd say. Just just to build on what, what was said, sorry, um, I think it comes down to individually so many of these players have matured in, first of all, in themselves and then the whole team has matured as a group. Because a lot of times last season, we'd go ahead and then we'd just drop deeper, deeper, deeper. Now we've got Gabriel and Saliba, who are brave enough to say, no, 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 we're not going to do that. We're going to stay high as a team. We're going to play the same way. We Against Newcastle last season, we were under the cosh and we just started hoofing the ball. This season, players like Zinchenko, they've got the maturity, they've got the composure to say, you know what, we're just going to keep, keep the ball, play our way. And we've got players now that I think are so well able to 
bring Arteta's tactics onto the pitch and don't even need... We used to rely so much on the, the drinks breaks in the 75th minute, getting Arteta to do his tactics. Now Arteta says to Erdegaard, Xhaka, Zinchenko, right, you lads, sort it out on the pitch and they'll sort it. And individually, as I say, players like Gabriel, he even at the start of the season, at times he was a little bit shaky, but in himself, <clears throat> he just he just looks like an absolute rock at the back now. And um, he, I think he's matured so much. Saka is taking games on his back. Um, so, yeah, as a team. And then Xhaka is a perfect example of over the years, over Arteta's whole tenure. Um, he barely makes a challenge anymore because he doesn't need to. And when he does, it's a very controlled. He knows exactly what he's doing. He never looks like he's going to lose his head. So, yeah, across the team, I think the mentality has just shifted so much. Everyone in the chat is is praising Arteta, the players, the fans even, for surpassing expectations. Yem, just to finish off this slide, I mean, is it down to Arsenal's brilliance that we are top of the league and on course for a centurion season, might I add? Or is it that some of the big giants have fallen away? I mean, you look at the the, the numbers there, five points ahead of City, That's it's a good start to the season for them. Um, 11 points ahead of Manchester United, who are in transition under Eric Ten Hag. Uh, 17 points ahead of the Scum. 21 points ahead of Liverpool and 21 points ahead of Chelsea. I mean, what do you put it down to? Uh, I think it's a coincidence. I I think certainly our rivals have dropped a little bit. We'd be remiss to say they haven't done that. But we have improved significantly, as James and Woz eloquently put it. You know, there's been a definite uptick. You know, we've got better players. Saliba coming back as well was a big factor. You look at the defence. Ben White did a superb job, but never in my wildest dreams did I think moving him to he'd be moving to right back this season. But yeah, I think it's a combination of of both. I think we've played really well. We've found our our groove, and as, as both of the, both the lads said, you know, there's various factors. You know, the fans, the manager, the players maturing. But yeah, we we can't deny that our our rivals, certainly Liverpool's fall, is spectacular, considering that they were competing at the very top end of all the competitions last year. The fall away is dramatic. And that's physically as well. You know, you look at someone like Fabinho, a shell of the player he was, and that encapsulates Liverpool's downfall. City, City's a really hard one to put my finger on right now because there's clearly something going on. They've yet Yao Cancelo go, probably the best left-back, one of the best left-backs in the league, which was a real surprise during the window. There is something clearly going on there because he doesn't trust certain players anymore. Chelsea, <laughs> Chelsea, I don't know what to say anymore with Chelsea. It's such a weird one now. Um, they could, I'm glad they're in 10th, but I don't think they'll be there You know, next year. I, I think next, I, I, I don't know what the factors were this year. I think it's been a mixture of things, but I certainly think we have to take advantage. You know, we, we're all, we're halfway there. We've definitely got to take advantage now. You know, let's be honest. Will we have this opportunity again? Hopefully, yes, because our squad improves. But we've got it. We've got it in our grasp. We, we've never had a better opportunity. And, we, and you know, this is the best we've ever performed. Even before Wenger, you know, you know the the amount of games we've won, the points we've grabbed. It. it this is our time now. We have to grab it. We do indeed. I was uh, lucky enough to be interviewed on BBC Manchester last night to talk about the title race. And one of the questions towards the end of the debate was, um, do you think if Arsenal win the league this season, 
that you'll come back next year and be just as strong. And it's so difficult to say because we know that Newcastle stake backed. We don't know what they're going to do in the summer. Manchester City have all the power to to rearm very, very quickly. Manchester United will probably back Eric Ten Hag quite big in the summer, especially if they make a Champions League spot. So the competition next season is going to be fierce. But do you know what? My my last line to, to the host of the show was, I'm just enjoying the ride. And if it's going to be our year this year, um, I'm, I'm just going to take it all in. Hence the holiday cancellation. Uh, right, let's move on to our best moment of the season. I'm going to do this one by one. None of you know what each other has basically put. And no, we're not going to do that. Actually, we're going to look back at the window. Uh, <laughs> sorry, my bad. It's a late show. Um, I'm going to come straight to was on this. So obviously, <clears throat> we were pursuing Mikhailo Mudrik. And then, of course, we were flirting with the idea of of Moises Caicedo. In the end was, we've ended up with Leandro Trossard from Brighton, Jakob Kivior from Spezia Calcio in Serie A, and Jorginho from up the road at those wankers. Um, Sambi Laconga obviously leaving Arsenal on loan to Crystal Palace. We'll, we'll maybe finish on Sambi, but was, first of all, overall thoughts on just the window shenanigans, and how are you feeling now a couple of days on after it's closed with those three signings? People won't like it, but if I'm brutally honest, I'm underwhelmed. Um, the reason I'm underwhelmed is because of the exceptional circumstance we find ourselves in. We've all just sat here and discussed that, you know, we, we know this could be the chance. This is the chance. We can go eight points clear, win our game in hand, 19 games to go. You know, you're not going to be in this position for a while. Everyone's going to come stronger again, and it is an old cliche. And yes, we will improve. Yes, we could go out in the summer and sign a few. If we're lingering in fourth place, I would say, yes, this is a very good window. Great. It strengthens, allows us to dust ourselves off and we go next year. This is our year. This is where we are. We didn't believe it would happen, but you have to react to the situations you're in. And I think it was, from the club's point of view, not a half-hearted effort, but they went big on Mudrick and didn't get it over the line. And that's that's obviously for exceptional circumstances. God knows what dodgy dealings going on in that transfer. The player was clearly not interested in going Chelsea. He clearly wanted to sign for Arsenal. We went to spend big, big money. 75 mil, 70 mil on a, on a winger. That's a winger. That's before, for me, at the start of the season, the biggest, biggest issue and the single point of failure to the whole campaign is Thomas Partey. And for me, that situation still remains. I think... Give your signings, fantastic. You know, we needed a young left-footed centre-back, clearly athletic, great competition for, for Gabriel Magalhães, who's been unbelievable this year. It's going to push him, it's going to improve him. That just strengthens the squad tenfold. When we talk about the, the, the Caicedo situation, for me personally, I look at Jorginho and Caicedo, I don't think they're linked. I think they're two completely independent transfers. I don't think we signed Jorginho because we didn't get Caicedo. I think we signed Jorginho simply because Mohamed Elneny is out for the season. And I genuinely believe that Arsenal Football Club would not have signed a central midfielder had Mohamed Elneny been fit. Because I think they were all in on Caicedo and that is the player we wanted. That's a long-term solution. And what frustrates me the most about it I know Brighton were playing hardball, but money talks. And unfortunately, sometimes you have to overpay. You have to do what you've got to do to get the player. It's not always right. And no, sometimes a player isn't worth that. But unfortunately, you have to play the game. And I just think here in this situation, Moises Caicedo is a long, long, long-term, six, seven, eight years solution. This isn't a, a stopgap or anything like that. And the reason I talk about the El Nene Jorginho situation, and the reason it frustrates me the most, is because 
I do, I do, as I said, believe if Elneny hadn't got injured, I think they looked at Jorginho very late and Chelsea probably couldn't believe their luck that Arsenal come knocking with £12 million because Elneny suffered the injury the weekend, the week of the transfer window ending. And we had to react because we had no numbers simply because of that. But what frustrates me most about that is I think stylistically Jorginho is very different to Thomas Partey. I think he's very similar stylistically to Granit Xhaka. He's excellent progressing through the lines. He's very safe and comfortable on the ball. But what he does lack in is, is sometimes when he's exposed in that deeper role, positional awareness, he gets bypassed through. We've seen it for years with Granit Xhaka. It doesn't make Granit Xhaka a bad player. It doesn't make Jorginho a bad player. But what it does make for me is a bad fit. And I, that's why I don't like seeing Elneny alongside Granit Xhaka. And this is why I will not be comfortable over a long period of time seeing Jorginho alongside Granit Xhaka. I personally, if you were going to do that, get a short-termism sign-in, I would have been looking at paying the money for Yuri Tielemans, shifting Xhaka to six and have that Yuri Tielemans box, box eight. That's personally what I would have done. And I would have been more comfortable just putting Granite in that role because I do not see the difference between Jorginho and Granite Xhaka. Stylistically, they're so comparable in many, many ways. And as I say, it doesn't make Jorginho a terrible player, but my reasoning for it is that I don't think... If in a long period of time we had to sit Xhaka and Jorginho side by side, I think we'd struggle and I, I think teams would work it out because on the Pret is such a different animal, Thomas Party, and, and there's very few on this planet that can even be put in the same bracket as what Thomas Party does. And unfortunately, Moises Caicedo is one of them and he is going to be in such demand. We've all seen his quality. Yes, he's played a few games in the Premier League, but it's there. It's obvious. It's obvious to see in the World Cup he stands out. Every time he's on that pitch, he stands out. And I think that is the long-term solution. The club wanted it. They desperately wanted it. They couldn't get it. For whatever reason, they didn't do it. They chose not to go the extra mile. And if you look at it in hindsight, 12 million and then the Jorginho deal, you add that extra on to Caicedo, do you get that deal over the line? I don't know. Maybe Brian were completely hardball. But, you know, I do think if you had wagged enough in front of him, I think we might have got it over the line. So that's where my disappointment lies in this window, that, I think stylistically, we've just replaced Elneny like for like due to his injury. And I think that Jorginho signing was completely irrelevant to Caicedo. I think the club went for Caicedo. We didn't get him. OK, they would have they would have sufficed with Elneny backing up, dropping in them Europa League games. And that's where I think they're keeping their powder dry, obviously, till the summer. They tried now, but they didn't get it over the line. And my disappointment lies in the fact they haven't got it over the line. And then I question... As I say, the stylistic signing, why would you get a like for like of a, when you could drop Granite in? And, and that's just where I see that could be an issue. If Thomas Party stays fit, we win the league. That, that I, I do think, is as simple as that. I look around the rest of the park, I think we're comfortable in many positions. I think we're going to see a lot more from players like Fabio Vieira, um, Emil Smith Rowe coming back in there. He's going to have a part to play. Gabriel Jesus coming back fit, Reese Nelson back in it. We've got stuff all over the pitch. But this one single point of failure is Thomas Party, And that's, for me, why I'm, I was so overly frustrated. And as I again reiterate, I do not believe that Jorginho was signed to replace um, Thomas Party if he's injured. Jorginho was there simply because Elneny's gone. And that, that's the long and short of it. And I think the club had to react. And their easiest way of reacting, what can we do? Oh, Chelsea have signed half of the planet. Let's just go and have a look at one of their midfielders. He's got six months left on his deal. Oh, I'll give you 12 million. Bet Chelsea thinking happy days. That looks great for us on our books. You have him. And I just think it worked for all parties and we had to react. I don't, I genuinely don't think it would have happened. 
and I think they went for Kaisado and we would have settled till the summer and gone big on, on as we talked about, Rice and Kaisado. But So that's my thoughts on the window. It's not overly completely negative. It's just my assessment of it and the way I see the squad developing. And I'm hoping that it gets to a stage where we don't have to see a consistent period of play with Jorginho and Jacker. That's simply all I'm hoping. There might be occasions where we we might see it in late in games and odd situations where we can rotate him in and out and Europa League games against Dog and Duck FC. You know, we, we've got a chance there. But long term, I'll be seriously, seriously worried if, if our season then had to rely on that situation. James, before I come to you, just what I asked uh, those who are watching, and there's hundreds of you watching live now, which is fabulous, uh, to rate our window out of 10. KSE out says four or five out of 10. DFC says seven out of 10. A shout for eight from Daniel and Yalai. Uncle Doris, long-standing fan of the channel, says six. CK says 10. I don't know if you're a Chelsea fan in disguise or potentially maybe genuinely, sincerely an Arsenal fan. Paras saying 11 out of 10. Um, I mean, James, coming to you, Mikel Arteta spoke after we couldn't land Mikhailo Madrid that we have to retain our discipline as a club when it comes to the transfer market. And again, when we entered negotiations with Tony Bloom for Moises Caicedo, two bids, um, they were absolutely you know, resolute in their, in their uh, desire to, to keep Caicedo. Do you think walking away was the right thing to do in hindsight? And I guess lead us to your thoughts on the, on the, the talent that we have acquired. The problem is we've kind of had our pants pulled down there because we've we've apparently we've fractured relationships with Brighton anyway. So us trying to be respectful in the transfer window hasn't even done what we wanted to do and sustain relations with them. Um, we'll see how much that affects us in the future. But I thought Brighton were a good team to have solid relations with. And if that's broken down, it's a shame. Um it's complicated because Tony Bloom is a bit of an asshole. We don't know the ins and outs of the deal. It did seem like at one point that whatever we put on the table, they weren't going to accept. Um, something I am a little bit grateful for is that we, Jorginho is clearly a short-term solution. We didn't sign an in-between, so we didn't try and find a mid-term solution or a long-term solution who isn't the one. I think, and based on what uh, Caicedo's agent has said today, that that is something that we can pursue in summer and something we could probably get over the line for less money than we were trying in January because they'll be more inclined to sell. Um, it's incredibly frustrating. And I think if we don't win the title, especially if Jorginho comes into it, uh, people will seriously look at it and say, Jorginho um, was a failure. We should have signed Caicedo. Um, I don't... <sighs> I think it's an opportunity. Jorginho himself, I think, is an opportunistic signing. I don't think it's a bad signing. Um, he does have the experience to help us. I think it's a very different situation to the Willian. I might turn around in three months' time and be stupid saying this. Um, but again, was is right. I don't really look forward to seeing him play with Xhaka. Um, with Partey, we can get away with the shape not being perfect because he's able to cover so much ground. But with Jorginho, if we're not as compact as we should be, that midfield will just get bypassed and that's a big problem. Um, again, hopefully he will just be there for the Europa League. If he's able to take Partey's Europa League minutes, he's plenty good enough for that. And then come summer, we will hopefully sign Caicedo and Rice and that position won't be a problem at all. Um, but again, if Partey gets a long-term injury, that's when we come into trouble. Uh, regarding the other two, again, Mudrick, we don't know what happened with that. 
Um, we were overpaying as it was. It's a shame that those lot came in and just did what they did. Uh, we don't know the details in that. Um, I think all things considered, Trossard is a smart move. Um, he was 21 plus 6 million, um, which is reasonable for a player of his quality. We saw how good he was against City. And also, I think he also offers something a little bit different to Martinelli, which is he's a bit better in tight spaces, which when teams are sitting back off us at the end of the games, that's a nice sub to be able to bring on. Um, and as for Kivior, I think he's a very good signing. Um, I think he's probably a player we've been we've had our eye on for a while. And this this was ready in November, December. We'd already looked at him. And also, I don't know if you saw, but he broke the... It said the short-term sprint, sorry, the short sprint record. So you got the fastest short sprint, highest agility jump and standing spring record for Arsenal. Uh, so I thought, found that quite interesting earlier because a few people were unsure about his physicality, but considering he, he did 40 metres faster than Walcott, that's, that's pretty exciting to look forward to, I think. It is indeed. And of course, those of you who would have tuned into the breakdown, you would have heard Nima from the Italian football podcast talk about his leap and his speed and his body strength. Um, yeah, I want to uh, sort of finish with thoughts from you on the transfer window. The way that I see it is that I think Leo Trossard is, is a player who will give our wide players, our young wide players, a bit of rest and much needed rest. I think we've seen glimpses of, of him being a good player, especially that game against City. I thought he handled his own really well. He's Premier League ready and ready to play. Um, with regards to Jakob Kivior, I don't think he's going to get much game time this season in the league. I think, yeah, like Was says, good to have a backup, a left-sided centre-back. I like that. I'm really excited to see what he's like. Jorginho, though, for me, uninspiring, but just like James has said, really pleased that it's a very short-term contract. I like that. I mean, we've been burnt enough so many times in the past with, with Chelsea players, so it's good that it's just a year and a half with an option for an extra year. But the way that I see it is that I think our bench looks stronger all of a sudden. I don't think any of these three are going to be starters anytime soon, but I think our bench looks stronger. We've seen too many times this season where we've had really young kids on the bench or you know, players like two goalkeepers and three defenders. And it's just like, come on, we need we need a bit more option. Uh, so th those are my thoughts. Yeah. I mean, how do you feel about it? The window obviously shut a couple of days ago. Is it going to be enough? That's a hard one. I mean, we won't know until some of these players are called upon. Obviously, Trossard has already played against Man City, looked very bright, uh, looked a threat. So I, I think he will do well. I'm kind of in... <laughs> I, I do have the same feelings as was in terms of it feels like an underwhelming um, window. And that's nothing to do with what how Arsenal pivoted. It's more the case that when you've been dealing with the big transfers and then all of a sudden you go into the deals that we eventually did uh, outside of Kivior, you're naturally going to feel a little bit flat. Did we identify, did we, you know, identify and fill the holes in our squad? Yes. I think we did a good job in that because I think we knew that Second half of the season, we were in, you know, not in trouble, but we were vulnerable. So I think that the, the football team under Edu, Arteta, Mertesacco, et cetera, did, did well to fill the gaps. Are they, apart from Kivio, are they long-term options? Definitely not. I think Trossard will, is a good one. Jorginho's deal certainly doesn't, doesn't indicate that. I'm kind of in the same camp as was in terms of the dealings. I am not particularly, you know, the, the Mudrick deal has got smells of fishy all over. Um, 
so obviously once we once Chelsea had set their stall out and locked the Shaq Dardanets people in the room and battered them to death, it was done and done. It's kind of similar to what they did with Enzo. It seems they've got this kind of thing where they can just grab them into a room, lock them up, and they won't let them out until the key until the deal is done. The Jorginho one, I have to be honest, I am very underwhelmed with, but I will reserve judgment until I see him. I have not seen him play it for us. Arteta is a big fan of him, really big fan, because he liked him at Man City. He wanted him earlier on as well. So, he, you know, he's got his man. And it's him who has driven this decision. It's not anyone else. Because there are other options. You know, you look at Danilo went to um, Nottingham Forest, who was on our radar for a while. So there was options. It's, at least it, the squad looks more rounded, is what I can say. And we have, as as James said as well, you know, we kept the powder dry for the summer. But I have reservations, and I don't know if the guys do as well, and you do, that our negotiation team lacks a little bit of, A, urgency, B, um, nous in dealings at the moment. It seems like we've got this very tentative approach where we go first bid in, Let's wait. Rejected. The pattern has been the same in both of these. Five million extra. Again, and then it's rejected. We keep having this slowly, slowly approach. And in today's market, we are now seeing that there are opportunistic people who will literally, clubs who will literally fly in. This this window has been Chelsea, who will fly in and literally grab players with one meeting because they're, they've got that much resources and they've got that much urgency around them. Whether Chelsea wanted Mudrick or not, I have no, I'm have. i not sure. I think it was a, I see Arsenal going for him and we're going to go for him and we're just going to blow them out of the water. It's a, you know, it was a dick measuring contest in my view. But the way we approached it is not, I'm not particularly happy about. And we had that same approach with Caicedo, that it was a, let's tentatively put the 5 million in. And, and then, you know, as was said, if you really want the player, and it sounded, you know, to put two in was sounded like we wanted him. Go for it. I know Brighton have had had this we not for sale at any stance, but I guarantee you, as was said, there is a price. Everybody's got a price, and they would have. It just seems that we're a bit tentative, and I'm hoping that the summer we we are a bit more authoritative in our transfer dealings. That we get them done. We've identified targets. We we usually are better at this in the summer. But if it Rice is one of the targets, which we assume he is, then we're we're dealing with him already. We are pushing it, and we're pushing hard to get it done because I don't want this kind of you building up and then all of a sudden it is gone flat as a pancake. You know, as I said, I reserve judgment on Jorginho, but it has that underwhelming feeling. I hope he does well. Look, he's now here, regardless of his past. He is here now. I will support him. He's going to be, you know, hopefully it's a title-winning squad. Fantastic. Trossard, I think, good signing. I saw him live at the Etihad. It was a great signing. Kivior, unknown quantity, but has got all the attributes. I'm looking forward to seeing him. I think, yeah, and just quickly to say, this uh, the way I'm looking at it, this is exceptional circumstances. Like I said, this is not a normal transfer window for us. We are <clears> in <throat> the driving seat. We are there. This is yeah. it. This is our moment. This is why I'm frustrated. Not because, you know, I, I, this is why I would want to pay the extra money, push the deal over the line, take the risk. 
okay, if they've got a sort of plan and they go out and they approach a player in a normal window and you say, look, we really like this player long term. I think we can get away with someone for six months, which is what we were going to do with Mohamed Elneny. Elneny got cropped. We weren't linked with Jorginho at all for the whole window. He didn't even exist in anyone's plans till the last three days of the window when Elneny does his leg. He's out. What do we do? We respond. We replace Elneny. We didn't actually get that midfielder that we were looking for. And that there, because of the exceptional circumstances, that's why I have to keep expressing it. It is exceptional circumstances. We are there within touching distance of getting to win this title. And that's where my frustration comes, that you wouldn't just pay that additional money for Caicedo, that he's going to be there for the next seven, eight years. He's going to retain his value. He's going to be a superstar. He's so young. We could keep him for five years and sell him for more money. And, and that's just the simplistic way of looking at it. I know that might not be everyone's way of thinking and they might think, oh, I completely understand the club. Don't overpay. Don't. For me, in this exceptional circumstances, I, I, I had to do it. I just had to do it. And that, obviously, it's all done now. Whatever happens, happens. Case or and all that. All we can do is support ex- the players when they're on the pitch. But I just really, really hope that that Thomas party stays fit. We don't get bitten on the arse and we look in the summer and go, God, you know what, if we had to just spend that extra 20 mil, you know, we'd be champions. And then what does that bring? It brings, attracts more players. You've bought more of a, you know, more of an influence. So that's what, I, it's, it is exceptional circumstances we are judging this window in. It's not a normal window in my eyes. What's what's frustrating as well is there are players who are on, a, on their knees for us. There are players who are putting Instagram posts and tweets out saying, please come get me. And at no point did you think we were actually going to sign Caicedo. That's the frustrating thing. Whereas if it was Chelsea, mm. if you had a player who said, Chelsea, please come sign me, you'd know absolutely they'd get it done. Um, so, yeah, we do lack a bit of ruthlessness in the transfer window. Um, there's there's a measured side to it. But at, at some points, I think it does become naive where we're not taking the opportunities. We trust the process too calm. But Arteta, Edu, some of these people haven't been in the position of this is the last six months pushed towards the title. It will either look in four years' time like a masterstroke and the whole process worked, or if we miss out on the title this year, we're left with massive egg on our face and saying we should have signed Caicedo. He could have covered Jacker's position. He could have covered Partey's position. Yeah. Uh, do you know what? Listening to your your explanation was... This is a unique situation for Arsenal, you know, albeit it's a little bit earlier than we expected, but to be sat on top of the Premier League at the halfway point, to be going into the second half of our season, five points clear of Manchester City with a game in hand, had we have just really pushed the boat out and gone massively aggressive and maybe even just gambled a little bit, we certainly wouldn't have had any regrets at the end of the season. So hopefully these boys will get us over the line. Yem, I've got to bring your attention to this. Ruben Pascaran, months it's taken, he has finally got the name. Yaminio is your nickname. <laughs> Yaminio, I can't believe you got it. And Jordan, with a very generous super chat to the channel. Really appreciate that, Jordan. Thank you. It's uh, always appreciated on the channel. You know, these channels are quite expensive to run, so I really appreciate that. Viva Hatem Yem Arthur. That's a good guess. Happy with Jorginho for the interim. Go for Caicedo or Rice, or maybe both in the summer. Martinelli's dipped slightly since the World Cup. I can see Leo Trossard taking his spot, which is the competition we needed. Fours are firm. Thanks so much, Jordan. Um, I mean, we're all with you. I think if we, if Jorginho can do a job, the job, whatever, from the bench, 
and even mentoring some of the players. Don't forget, this is a guy who's won the Euros with Italy. Uh, he's won the Champions League, won the won, won Europa League, the World Club Cup, all of those cup competitions. He's never actually won a league title, so maybe he's hungry for that. But he will hopefully have a good impact on some of the youngsters in our squad. And if he's going to be on the bench for most of the Premier League games and just come in and maybe give Party and Jacker a bit of a rest every now and again, maybe play those, you know, dog and duck FC in the Europa League as was, you know, eloquently puts it. Um, maybe he will have a point uh, to prove and a, and a role to play in this team. Of course, Sambi Lekonga did leave on loan. He will now go and link up with our former captain, Patrick Vieira at Crystal Palace. Don't want to talk too much about that because he does feature in one of the following slides. So let's just move on swiftly. Thanks again, uh, Jordan, for the super chat. Right. Right, now it's our most important, memorable moment of the season. Let's move on to that. You guys have all submitted your entries without talking to one another, so this might be a surprise. First up, it's James and Warren. You've both gone for Granite Jacket against Spurs. Was starting to you first. Why so special? Why not? Why not? <laughs> <laughs> Mate, the Emirates, the Emirates is absolutely rocking. 2-1 up battering Tottenham, fully deserving to be in front, winning every 50-50, playing them off the park. We look the absolute nuts. In our first big test, we've turned up. Thomas Party takes a mick on the halfway line. Martinelli's taking Romero and Eric Dyer for a walk on a lead. The ball, Janet Xhaka, just left foot. It's in front of us. The whole stadium, the whole world can see the ball is on Granite Xhaka's left foot. The silence before the strike and then the hit. And the absolute pandemonium around you. The bodies everywhere. Just a beautiful moment of football. It's one of them, you know, when, when everyone goes, go on. And it just goes deathly silent. And then the eruption, the way he hits it. You know that everyone in that stadium knew Jacker was smashing that ball in the bottom corner. Everyone on the planet knew it. As soon as that fell to that guy's left foot, it was off for me, mate. Gone. Absolutely gone before he's even hit it. All you know, people going everywhere, upside down, all over the place, bruised up and battered. Just what a moment as a fan. But it was an important time in the game to score as well because we were fully on top. We did deserve it. We were absolutely mullering them. It was against them. And after all the years, it's, it was almost like for me the, the, the big Jacker redemption moment. I know he's had moments, but for him to play that well and starting to gain credit coming into that fixture and for him to stand up in that derby, just take the absolute mick and do what he'd done and score like that and just run away to the North Bank. Mate, what a moment. Brilliant. Brilliant. It, it really was. I think I was in tears. Uh, James, coming to you, you've obviously gone for Granite Xhaka against Spurs as well. What were your, what was your thinking behind it? I can't put it better than was. He, he, it was it was my first North London derby and he was absolutely, he's absolutely right in the way that this stadium did go dead silent. The, when, the moment Xhaka took the ball off Martinelli, everyone went silent. And then, yeah, Xhaka... Just and I don't think from where I was, I was about halfway line um, level with the pitch. I don't think I could see it was Xhaka at that time. Um, and then when he put it in the back of the net, everyone's going mad. And then I found out it was Xhaka, who I've been a fan of for yonks basically since he first joined us. Um, and he's he's had his moments. I've had to defend him in his dark times, and to just see him at the peak of his redemption arc was just. I was so so happy for him. And also it was that it was that moment of relief as well, because I know we were battering them, but I hate being too one up in games like that. You're so anxious. And then all of that nervous energy just escapes you and saying, yep, fine, we're, we're winning this game. And then we were just we were comfy for the rest of the game. Then Emerson got um, 
sent off after that. And then we, we just took the piss for the last 20 minutes, to be fair. We just knocked it about. But yeah, I wouldn't I wouldn't have any other game, Xhaka, with the the crowning goal in that game. Do you know what I love about these these sorts of shows when we're, we're it just it, you reminisce like as you guys are talking, I'm remembering being in the North Bank lower when Martinelli and then Xhaka like it was slow motion to me. I just saw Xhaka's left left leg just sort of rising slowly, bullet finish back of the net. Must have been row three and then ended up row twenty seven upside down as was put it once in the late night latte post match review. I mean, to see Granite Jack and Net and it's one of my favorite goals to watch without the commentary. So Arsenal.com sometimes they show they they just have the highlights, right? And your you to your point was in that moment where the crowd are just like, go on, like oh, and then it's like, yeah, and it's just, oh mate, it's just I mean, oh, it's a man. video. I don't know if you've seen it. There's a video from it, it's it's behind the goal to the right-hand side of the goal. And I, I've only found it once. And I remember watching it, like you said, but it's being filmed from the side of the pitch, almost on, not a fan camera, a professional camera. And it's just like pitch level and just watching it all. And then, like you said, the noise, the eruption, and it pans to Xhaka running to the crowd. and Just a beautiful moment of football, mate. And that's what it's all about. It was indeed. Uh, right, Yem, coming to your best moment. It's been mentioned in the chat. It what, Well, what was it? Was it the late winner against Manchester United? Was it the full-time whistle? Was it Eddie Nketiah's goal, you know, at the VAR celebrations? But it was, of course, the win against United. Yem, talk us through that. I think it was everything about that last minute. You know, it had been, been that kind of game where, it, you know, back and forth. We had, they had scored first with Rashford. And we were like, uh, but then the Emirates came alive to cheer on the boys. We got the goal back. We went ahead. And then United got, you know, a, a lucky goal because obviously, you know, our, you know, it was a from the smallest player on the pitch. But then that moment in the 90th minute, and we were pressing, we were pressing hard. And that 90th minute when Eddie scored that, you know, almost like a, a martial arts kick into the into the goal, we stood there for a minute going, hold on, this is offside. This has to be offside because it was. It looked too obvious to be. It looked so obviously offside. We and obviously we we're right in front of it, and we we you know you me and Walid were like this is offside, and then obviously the VAR thing comes up. You're like oh, and it's like a sixty minute you know twenty five second thirty second. You're waiting. You're like it's gonna, be. and then someone behind us went it's been given because he's on his Twitter. And he's going it's been given. It's been given. We're like what 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 what. And then all of a sudden, it, then it came out and everyone went absolutely nuts. Everyone was falling over themselves. The dude behind me again fell, fell over and fell over onto me. It was mental. Just that again, it's kind of similar to the Jacker one. There was a moment of silence because obviously the VAR was, we, you know, VAR does it to us. You're like, what the heck? And usually we never get VAR decisions. And to actually get it and to do it in the 90th minute and to see the Man United players, literally the moment before that, Lissandro and Varane were fist bumping. We've done it. You know, we've done it. But then two minutes later on their knees, it was, it had, it, you know, it had beauty marked all over it. It was a, it was a beautiful moment. And, you know, it was a way to, you know, everyone had been saying there's more tests, more tests. This was another test. And we passed it with flying colours because we were the dominant team. Doesn't matter what United fans think. And they are pretty salty at the moment, thinking they are the best team at the moment. But they weren't. We dominated them. And we've got the right result. And that was the right result, that we should have won that game. We should have been more comfortable, but we won it. And that was the main thing. Was, yeah, that, was really that the game where the clip it. came from? Because there's a clip of you three celebrating. Oh, yeah, that's the game it came from. And it was, you know, we, we literally, that's the moment. So 
literally 30 seconds before that, we were like this. Offside, yeah, the, the, VA, the VAR anxiety, or I've talked about it on this channel before, VAR has ruined yeah. the, the, the moment where you completely lose yourself after a goal. Like there are some goals where you know, right, that's just a goal, long range shot, free kick, whatever. I knew as soon as Nketiah touched it, I just, I, like while he was going nuts, he was ready to kill. Yemen was probably upside down, <laughs> but I had I had an arm on. I, I put my arm on. No, both I thought it was offside saying, as well. I, boys, do you remember? I boys, said it was it's going to be offside. It's going to be offside. So we looked at the linesman. Linesman sort of casually jogging back, and I'm thinking, right, okay. So then there was this long, anxious wait, and then of course the goal is given. And I think the biggest celebration for me was at full time, because Arsenal fans in the North Bank, we were on our standing on our chairs, and then the lap, not the lap of honour, but the, the sort of players doing the little round at the end when Jacker came up to me and Erdegaard was, you know, doing this with his badge. I was, a, I was, a, I Can was I in say, pieces. Do you know what? This, we picked out two great moments, but there have been a lot of them, actually, this season. It has been a great season so far. And as you say, Faisal, on many occasions, it's about the memories. And it definitely is. It's such a, you know, there's so many memories of the games and, and the events and, and how we've done the players reacting, celebrating. It, this is what we're, we want in a season where it's not, you know, we're not asking for, you know, we've got, we're in a title race. Fantastic. But we're getting yeah. great memories as well to to go along with that of really intense games where we are coming out on top and we are performing well and the boys are giving everything. That's all you can ask for in these kind of scenarios. Not to be half-hearted, not to be to come out thinking we didn't give enough. And every time you know the players go around the pitch, because they do it now quite often, you can tell they've given everything, but they love it. And there are certain players like Erdogan Jacka. Who are always walking around and they love this feeling. You know, it's it's a build up. It's a com, you know compounding of the feeling that we're getting, and I hope it takes us to a title because the explosion when we get to that, it, you know, God willing. Some is... other shouts for yeah, mate. I know, God willing. Yeah, hopefully it happens for us. Some other shouts for some highlights of this of the season. Self investor says the fans' response to Saliba's own goal. Yeah, that was amazing when 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 that ball went into the net and the Arsenal fans were straight back up on their feet. Freddie Preston saying Saka three two Liverpool. I knew then we were serious. I think was it Peter Drury's commentary. Um, such poise, such noise. Oh, what a what a last minute bit of commentary that was. Tom saying the celebrations against Fulham lives rent free in Richard Keyes' head. Uh, Stephen Foot comes back and says the celebration against the scum at the toilet after that game. Yeah, when it all kicked off with Ramsdale and that fan and the Arsenal fans going off to the away end. Brilliant. Uh, BX Gunner eighty one shouting again. Marcinelli with the scarf throat and Leeds Gunner in the chat saying a Saliba volley versus Bournemouth was sweet too. My moment, chaps. Well, it wouldn't be complete without having the big man on the screen. I mean, the, the, and I'll tell you why, guys, because it was completely unexpected. I think those those people who are watching on TV, maybe on social media going into the game, they will have seen that David Ornstein broke the story, I think, of Arsene Wenger being back at the ground. We were 1-0 down. I think side Ben Rama scored in the first half. We were 1-0 down at halftime against West Ham. We came out in the second half, and I think it was two goals in five minutes, Saka equalising and Martinelli with that left-foot bullet past Fabianski. And amidst our celebrations, and obviously we're going mad, and you know London derby, we're back in the lead, the title charge is back on. I sort of catch a glance on the screen, and like everyone's like, what? Everyone stopped, and it's Arsene Wenger like, with his classic you know, clenched fist celebration, like jumping up. And to see the big man on the screen, and obviously those of you who have known me for the longest time will know that I was probably one of his biggest fans. Um, it, I, it was it was 
emotionally overwhelming. I couldn't quite understand what was going on. I didn't, I was like, I just thought, why are they playing a clip of Arsene? And then everyone realized, and then there were chants of one Arsene Wenger. It was, it was magical, man. And just even thinking about it now and just going back to that night, it was a really special night. And I'm so glad that I didn't know it was going to happen. Like, I'm so glad that it was just a genuine surprise in that moment. And there's lots of nice comments coming in about Arsene. So yeah, for me, that was my highlight. But to your point, yeah, there have been so many incredible memories already in the 19 games that are being etched into our memories for the long for the long term. And to our point, you know, was we were talking about the transfer window. For me, I'm just in it for the ride. Like, I have no idea where this team is going to go and how this journey is going to end. And I'm I'm properly terrified of heartbreak and I'm, I am i don't think I'm ready for it, but I, it might, might, might end up in that way. But so far, like everything this team and this club is doing is just filling me with utter joy. And I'm so proud and like to be here tonight with you guys and everybody watching and there's hundreds of you, like it's just a special moment to be able to you know sit back and reminisce, but also look forward to what's going to be an incredible ending to the season. Um, if I may, let's move on to our star players and we'll pick up the pace just a little bit. Um, future, so star player that we've sort of said this season. James, starting with you, you've gone for skipper, Martin Erdegaard. Why? Um, I think it just comes down to the way he's driven the team forward and you kind of notice when he's in and out of the team, the difference in the way we play. You kind of saw it against City a little bit. We, we were decent at times, but you, we were missing the spark and he is... So much of our attack, Saka plays better with him. Saka struggled that game um, it, without White behind him as well. Tommy Asu wasn't quite overlapping as much as White would. Um, but he's on 13 goals and assists already um, by the halfway point. So if he carries on, he'll be on 26 goals and assists this season, which doesn't even include the one against United, which I thought should have been given. Um, so his output is excellent. And he's also, as I say, He's really is the heart of our attack, and people look to him um, when we're when we're in need of a goal. Um, I also think he typifies what I was saying about players maturing. Uh, last season and in the past, people have accused him of being passive. I think now he's very mature technically, in that he will um, not panic. He will drop deep when we need him to drop deep, and he will find the spaces in between the lines further forward when we need to. Um, and as I say, he's our captain. Um, there were a lot of critics at the time of him being given captaincy. He's not the most vocal of our players, but he does kind of embody what it means to be a modern day Arsenal player. Um, and yeah, maybe one of my favourite players at the moment. I absolutely love him. The beauty of this slide is that it was very difficult to put together and trying to think of my own player, even though you guys had inspired me. But we'll find out in just a second. Was you're up next and you've gone for the main man in midfield. It's Thomas Partey. Hmm. No party, no party. It's um, simplistic for me, mate. Honestly, that geezer don't play, we don't play. It's, it's, it's that important. Um, if, he allows us to be the team we are at the moment. And, and he's such an important player. Obviously, Martin Odegaard's been superb. Uh, James alluded to it quite a few times, which is very true. The, the growth, the development of these players, how quickly they've improved, added numbers to their game. At the start of the season, the concern for me, massive. Odegaard, Saka, Martinelli, no numbers. We need numbers. If we're going to compete, we need numbers. Fucking hell, we've got too many numbers. Calm down. We're getting numbers. <laughs> it's exciting. Arteta wanted 90 goals after, after 38 Premier League games. We're on 45 after 19. Is he, is he all right? Is he, is he just perfectly deciding what's going to happen? But I'm telling you now, this geezer in the middle of that park, 
unbelievable, mate. The octopus, he's everywhere. He's scoring 30 yarders against Spurs. He's he's almost, to be fair, Lelaine, he nearly scored probably the best goal I've ever seen live in my life. But th that's just a byproduct of what he actually brings to this team, the solidity, the security, what he's allowed Granite Xhaka to be, how confident that he is to just rotate with Martin Erdegaard, to the movement, the fluidity in that whole team. Thomas Partey's physicality, his strength, his leadership, the way he just manipulates his body just to always be in the right bloody place. He's just an incredible, incredible player. And honestly, if we do go on to win the title, he has to be up there and looked at like Patrick Vieira. End of. I'm telling you now, the influence on this team is as big as Paddy Vieira. I'm not saying he's a better player than Patrick Vieira, but what I'm saying is the influence on this side, and you will only see it when he's not there. And hopefully we never bloody see it because he's there. And this is the Thomas party. And by the way, the older he gets, the better he gets in that role. At Atletico, he was more box-to-box. -box. He had that tenacity. He had that Simeone grit and determination in him. He come in. He struggled initially in England. And now look at him go. Mate, this guy's a monster. The best on the planet in that role at the moment. Don't care what anyone says. You can stick your Casemiro's and all your players like that wherever you like. As I say, no party, no party. Beautiful. That is poetry in motion was. Thank you so much. Before we go to Yemen, my shout, uh, some shouts from the viewers. Mike Mooney says Saliba has been uh, a star player this season. Nathan in the chat saying Granite Jack has been phenomenal, but Erdegaard has to be star player. A couple of shouts here for Benny Blanco. Uh, Abiodun Odelais says Benny, Benny Blanco, followed up by Joshua Page. Uh, another shout for Xhaka coming from Daniel Anjali. Xhaka for me, Iron Man, gives us everything. Goals, assists, tackles, interceptions. Um, Yem, moving on to you. You and I have picked the same player. It is, of course, the star boy, Bukayo Saka. I want you to go first, Yem. What is there to say about him? I mean, geez. Do you, do you know the, the biggest compliment I can give him? He has come off the World Cup where he should have been the main man. And he, and he was in the fight. He should have been in that, in that quarterfinal against France. He should have been on there. He should have remained on there. And he had a great World Cup. And he came back and everyone thought he was a little bit flat initially. But if you actually looked at his stats, he was contributing massive numbers still. And he wasn't even playing well. But then he started to pick up again and he started to influence games, started scoring, started taking on players. The doubling up started again and he still found space. He has he he continues to be the standard bearer for Arsenal. He has been it since Mikel Arteta started at Arsenal. He's been the constant. And again, in that Man United game, he proved why he's bordering on world class. That goal was superb. I thought it was, you know, just to, just to, you know, shuffle back and then here on his left foot into the bottom corner. De Gea had no chance. Well, it was magical. He has, you know, he's ever constant. He has had one bad game and we criticised it rightly at City. But one bad game, my God. It has been unbelievable. He is still the one who provides, you know, uh, you know, we've talked about, you know, we're talking about Erdegaard and Party. Party undeniably is one of the players of the season. Erdegaard, I, I find that Erdegaard, Martinelli and Saka are this kind of symbiotic relationship. Without either of, you know, any three of them, they always seem to be less of themselves. So when you take Saka out, Erdegaard seems a bit, it doesn't, seem to be able to influence as much or give, give enough space. To, you know, Saka looks a bit weaker without Erdogan. It's such a perfect relationship at the moment. All of that front three is beautifully moulded. 
and it is a joy to watch and I can't wait. Do you know what? I'm so obviously we've been talking about this and I can't wait to get back to the to the action this weekend. I honestly can't because I want to see these guys go at them. It's it, you know what? I'm I'm excited. I want to see Saka back on form again this weekend because he will be. It's it's with Erdegaard there he cannot not be. Saka's getting a lot of love. Stephen Furt, star player of them all. Um, Gabrielle's had a shout as well from Mysterious MR, but Hamid with the Saka stutter heart. For me, this was a really, really difficult choice. Um, I think it says a lot about the Arsenal team when you really have to debate who you think the star player is. There's no one standout character. But for me, Bukayo Saka, I mean, everyone who knows me and knows his channel will know that I rave about him all the time. I think about a year and a half ago, I said on the channel that in one of my first ever videos, I think it might have been to Henry Winter when, we, when it was the first ever video where I said the day Bukayo Saka learns how to finish, the Premier League is in trouble. And the guy is a monster in every aspect in terms of numbers, in terms of his impact, in terms of his devastation. He's physically so strong now. He's growing in confidence. He's finding himself in dangerous positions. He's arriving in the box with conviction, like he wants to make a statement every game. I love everything about him off the field. When you see his face, he just makes you smile. Such a wholesome character. I just love Bukayo Saka. My daughter loves him and he, she's five years old and she's got a signed picture of him on, on her bedroom wall. And just, mate, I can't, I'm just, I'm not going to go any further because I it just, uh, emotionally, every it's just too the, much. He's the, just a wonderful big, player. The biggest compliment you can pay him is every time he gets the ball, the Emirates, the noise, you can hear it. Go on, and it just, it, it jumps up at least five levels because you know he is the one. You know, he is the one who can do something out of nothing. And he did it against Man United. But yeah, he, there's no need to be humble. You said borderline world class. I think, I think he is world class. I think there are a very, few very picked few, up him in on that. Few no, right wing. No, because I because what I don't, you know, borderline and into world class, you know, I want to be humble about because I think he is world class. And have you seen that picture? Have you seen that FIFA little thing of him when he's 30? Have you seen this thing oh, on yeah. Twitter? It, he looks <laughs> yeah, like a hard bald. ass, you know, <laughs> with no hair. It just looks he's bald. Weird. I told you, bald is a good look. Uh, right, we've got to move. We've got to move oh. on to the most disappointing uh, moment of the season. Not moment, just the most disappointing thing about this season. And um, uh, it, it was, I, I was unfair because I asked you guys for your most disappointing player, and I think it's really harsh given that we are top and actually that the, the team is flying. But there are some players that haven't quite hit the standards that we expect. And so I want to bring them up on screen first. And James, you've gone for Emil Smith-Rowe. Explain. Right. So for, first of all, I for, for, I know you said Sambi popped up in a slide later. So thinking of, I'd forgotten about him. Probably Sambi would be my answer um, with him included. But Smith-Rowe's problem obviously isn't, he's not at fault for this. But I think had you told him going into this season, we were going to be on 50 points. Uh, um, from 19 games, he would have really hoped to have been a huge part of this season. He got, um, I think, 10 or 11 goals last season. Um, and for a big part of it was one of our driving forces. Um, so, as I said, I don't think he's been disappointing in himself, but it's been a disappointment that he's not been able to contribute to the team um, because the trajectory he was on, him and Saka were our two best players at one point. And he's really fallen, kind of fallen behind in the pecking order. And he was a left winger for us last season. We've now signed a left winger on top of Martinelli already. So hopefully 
my idea is that he's kind of being rebranded as a left centre midfielder and I look forward to seeing that because he's had a lot of time out injured where he can refine himself in that position tactically because he didn't seem to know where he was supposed to stand in this. Um, so as I say, not to discredit himself, but it's just a shame that come back six months a year ago to where he is today, you'd have really hoped he was going to be a big part of this project. Oh, I feel like such a dipshit bringing this player on now. Oh, man. I feel so bad. It's so harsh. But it hurts because I love him so much. Oh, um, what? For me, he's been... <laughs> yeah, he's, yeah, me he's probably my second no. choice. He was probably Are my you bad? Honestly. Yeah. It, well, look, look, hear me out first. I love Kevin Tierney. I love, I love everything about him and I love how humble he is. I love the whole t-shirt in the winter, minus 20 degrees and, you know, he's wearing a vest. I don't know what that's all about, but I love it. But I think the arrival of Sinchenko has just confused us all in terms of what we expect from players. Like Sinchenko is playing at left back, but I don't know what position he plays in anymore. And he's just been so good that, Whenever I look at Kieran Tierney, like he's not finishing 90 minutes anymore. He's really struggling like to play that inverted role. I know it's not in his comfort zone. I just, I mean, I feel awful because I love him so much and I really want him to play and I'm getting battered in the chat. Are you mad, FK? Stephen says. Yeah, because but, it doesn't make any sense. It doesn't make sense because I had such high expectations of Tierney. And like he's just not hit the heights for me, and he's not—he's not completing ninety minutes. He's always getting taken off at sixty or seventy. Well, that's, not that's, the, that's the formation we play and the know. system we play. I don't know. Do but you think he'll be here next um, after next summer? I think he's he will. Up. You what was? I think he will. I, 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 do you know? Genuinely, I, I think when Arsenal signed Kieran Tierney. I think maybe we had some delusions of grandeur that he's a genuine world-class fullback. What he is is a very, very, very good fullback. And he's now a very, very good fullback in a fucking brilliant team. That's the difference. Like, it, it, it's, what we have to understand is that he's a different type of fullback. He can play. Of course he can play. He's not an idiot. He can play. But I just, I think when we got him, because of the situation we were in, come from Celtic, you know, he was exciting up and down that wing. We've had years of dossers like Andre Santos and flipping God knows what we've had to deal with at fullback. Like this guy's come in and we're like, look at him, Tesco bag, short sleeves. We love this geezer. <laughs> yeah, no, it is. It's like that. But I, he's not a bad player. He's not got worse. We've just got better. Football's evolving. It's changing. But and what we think... need to understand, but you look at, you look at City, right? They signed Benjamin Mendy, very similar stylistically, quite straight line running, aggressive, an old-fashioned fullback. The, the game's not dead for them. It's just not as consistent as it was. And there will be periods and times in games where that straight line running from that area might completely change the situation. And I think we need to not see Kieran Tierney as a world-class, oh my God, he has to play every week. Maybe we need to see Kieran Tierney as, you know what, he's a top-class fullback that will play at a rotational level at a top-class club. Because we are actually now a top-class club, mate. But do you think he'll ha accept that? Because he is a competitor. And the That's problem right. is as so. well, I think, I think the other problem is, is if Arteta finds an opportunity for an inverted fullback, you know, like they do with Fresnader, 
I don't think it'll go like for like, mate. I don't think he'll do it. I think he'll have that option, and I think he likes having that 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 option. And I do think Kieran Tierney, especially with his his physical issues, as 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 we've alluded to, we know he's had injuries throughout his career. I think Kieran Tierney has a player not has to accept. I'm not saying accept being mediocre. I'm saying accept that you're a top player and you're at a top club. And sometimes, mate, it's not going to be. If you want to play every week, I don't physically think Kieran Tierney can do it throughout his career because of because of his, his physical limitations, because of the injuries he's had. And I think he needs to accept as a player, and he's a bloody good player, and he's our player, and I want him to stay, that, you know, you're not going to play every week, but when you do play, there's a role for you here, and you can do it. And I think um, Arteta is slowly working towards that with him. Mm-hmm. I think you might be right on that one, because I have seen he's starting to invert quite quite a lot. He's not the best at it, not the Sinchenko level, but give him another season, and who knows, you know, if he if he can He's I've got the drive for it, it'd be interesting. Oh, I feel terrible, but it, it, again, I've just got to clarify. Like, this isn't the worst player in the squad. It's just I th- I'm disappointed in him because I because I have such high expectations of him, and I just want him to. Obviously, I want him to stay. I want him to. I want him to reclaim that left back spot. I just I can't see it happening while Sinchenko's playing the way that he is. And so, for me, with a heavy heart, with tremendous regret, Kieran is. Uh, <laughs> What Yem said, which is quite interesting, about Fresneda, he can basically play the Zinchenko role on the other side, which would mean the pivot would be Party and Fresneda, and then Tierney would have more space on the left wing to not have to invert. So if we do manage to get that over the line in summer, or a right back who's more of a midfielder than White, who's... He stay he he is able to invert, but he stays more as like a a, a wider right sided inverted. Um, I think that could be interesting because then we have different different tools in our armory, different ways we can play. Um, and yeah, just to just to I guess clarify, I definitely don't want Tierney sold. Um, he's an unbelievable player to bring on when we're playing five at the back as well because he basically locks off that whole left hand side. Um, when Zinchenko was struggling against Kulisevsky, you bring on Tierney, and all of a sudden. Well, I think we actually brought him on left wing that game. But you bring him on and it, um, it's a comfort blanket, definitely. And um, he's the best, probably the best backup left back in the world, in all honesty. Um, when you're looking at out and out left back. It, I, I think what you said, Faisal, is fine. Don't don't listen to the comments. Um, <laughs> no, I just no, feel, listen to I, this, I, is I awful. Feel really this is bad. an awful, awful selection, mate. No, I feel back really bad. Just, but I... I just... that, I, I still, I still like have you know rationale for, for for naming him. It's because I want him to just be so fucking outstanding, but I I just get frustrated when he's he's not playing Honestly. regularly. He's not finishing ninety minutes. He's only getting those bit part games in Europa League games. Like I really want him to stay and I want him to turn it around. But let's cheer me up. Let, let's let's pass the attention to somebody else. Uh, Yemen Warren have gone, of course, for Sambi Lekonga, who has been loaned out. Uh, Yem, your thoughts first. Um, and I think Tony Rosanda's in the chat guest, all three. Bravo to you, ESR, Sambi and KT. And this was some time ago, trust me. Yem, your thoughts first on young Sambi Lakonga. Why is, is he your biggest disappointment? Because I just don't see anything in him. I, I'm sorry. No, this is my only... I've said it to you multiple times. It has now been a year and a half since he arrived. Typically, players, even when they're young, have some kind of upshift into the second season, you know, growth, etc. I just don't see it. When he's come on and when he's played, it's very bog standard. Usually you can tell if a player has something about that. I just, he looks either he's playing too safe, 
He's not bothered. There is no drive. The one thing I've seen with Sambi is there is no drive at all. He just looks lackadaisical and doesn't look interested. The rest of the squad are hungry. You mentioned ESR. So ESR, when he came on, looked hungry at least. He was chasing. Sambi does none of this. I'm just, I just, it's disappointing to me that, you know, we've put, you know, the talent ID from Arteta has been unmatched. But this is one of the ones where I just think I don't see anything here that's that's positive. I'm hoping that his loan changes that opinion and maybe game time is doing it. But again, the City game just showed me, again, he just wasn't bothered. So, you know, I would love to be wrong and I'd love to say that he's he's got something about it and, he's gonna, and you know, he's going to pass it well, you know, pass it well. And he's got this, he's got that. He's not a six. We've said that already. But I don't think he's very. He's not an Arsenal level eight, level eight at the moment either. He's just too normal. He's just ordinary. It's, it's not. It's not the level. So no, for me, he's been a massive disappointment. He's probably. You know, the, sorry, sorry, sorry. I just think he's. Look, you have to cut your losses on some of it, and I know he was keen to go out on loan. Maybe he'll show it there, but I have not seen anything yet. What what I found really frustrating about the City game is we signed a player who should clearly have been an upgrade on Elneny, but in that position, we would have much, much rather Elneny come on in that position. And 18 months later, where Arteta is excellent at individually coaching players, and still he's just not there positionally. There are so many gaps in the six. I don't know. And he, the worst thing is, he himself has said that is his position. He's a six. And, um, and you know the you know the the documentary also highlighted a character you know character flaw. If you want to play for Arsenal, I'm not getting enough game time. I should be playing. And what did Eddie say? Eddie is the complete polar opposite. So do something about it. And he swore about it. And I Sam just I'm, looked I'm, at him. I'm really glad you mentioned that point, yeah, because was I want to come to you. The all or nothing documentary showed that one clip. Do you think Arsenal fans have basically made their minds up on Sambi Lukonga based on that one clip? Because they've obviously showed that clip. They show very little else, and they certainly showed nothing really else much about Sambi Lukonga. Do you think that's maybe swayed our minds, or are you also convinced by what you see that it's just not enough? I don't sort of share the same kind of views on that. It's more of a positive disappointment for me with Sambi. I think I do, unlike Yem, I do think he's there. I do think I think it's very harsh to judge a, a 22-year-old player in a six role when you've got players like Thomas Partey who played for Atletico Madrid for years on end. Most players in that role don't don't progress till 28, 29, 30, 31, 32, 33. That's just the fact of that position on the pitch. I completely understand the reservations about his levels of performance because they've not been good enough. I feel like Sambi Lukonga just needs to cuddle. I feel like he's a bit of you know like deer in the headlights, and, it, and it's, it's just all a bit too much for him. He's, I think, as a human, he's struggling to adapt, and I think that's really affecting his ability to perform on the pitch. And it's unfortunately at this stage of his career, it's almost like the group are going to leave him behind, both physically and mentally. And I think that's where he needs to get out of this situation, get his ability back, get his confidence back, get him in a side where he can be young and talented, have the stress. I don't think he can deal with the stress and the pressure of the situation we're under at the moment, whereas some of the other young players have completely thrived. And I think that's more down to the person he is. I don't think he's a bad footballer. I think there's definitely a footballer in it. I think in years to come, Samuel Conga will progress. He might not do it at Arsenal. Here's my hoping that he goes. 
I would have actually liked to have seen him take a, a, a loan possibly next year outside of the Premier League, maybe maybe go somewhere, Bundesliga, maybe out to France just for a year, get himself confident, get himself playing, get himself used to adult men's football where you're playing consistently for big clubs in Europe, in European competitions and let him do it in his own time because we, we're so used to young players like Saka Martinelli, all these guys, they're, they're incredible. They're not normal. That what they're doing at this age is incredible. That's not normal in football. To un for a 22-year-old guy in that position to be unbelievable, it's not normal. You know, that's only the top top players. That's why people like Caicedo are so incredible because he's already there, mentality young. You know, that's why he's commanding them fees. But I think Sambi, I wouldn't, I wouldn't throw him on the fire yet. As I say, I think he's just a, I think he's mentally fragile. And I think that's not a detriment to him. I think it's just a, an indication of where he's at in his life. He might not be as confident as the rest. And I think he was genuinely struggling in this group. And I think a, a low move will be superb for him as a man. And I don't think he, obviously, he's not going to start every week for Palace. But what he will do is he won't be relied upon like he is at Arsenal. He won't be going to Old Trafford being expected to give us the three points. It's, it's not a situation that that man needs to be in at the moment. So I think it's a great move to get him out on loan. I'm excited to see how he does. I'd like to see him get another loan move next year if we invest heavily in the summer. And either way, I'm telling you now, in three, four years' time, we'll either make a healthy profit on this guy or he'll be a very good addition to our squad, in my opinion. So it's it's a disappointment in the sense that I'm, I'm, I'm more sad for him about his fragility and the way it's gone for him. And it just doesn't sit with a group at the moment. But I do think he will bounce back as a player and I really hope he does. And, of course, if there's uh, any more inspirational midfielders to want to play for, you know, I'll be, be hard to, to list those. Patrick Vieira will hopefully sort him out. Right, let's move on to the home straight, the final segment of tonight's show, which is where I've asked you to make your predictions, chap. So on screen now, you will be able to see what you guys have done. So, Yem, Warren, James, and, of course, myself. Um, I've asked you guys to name your champions, your runners-up, and obviously predict third and fourth as part of the top four. How far we'll go in the Europa League and who might win it? the FA Cup winners and the League Cup winners. Starting with winning the league, Yembele, you've gone for Arsenal. James has gone for Arsenal. I have gone for Arsenal. But Warren, you've gone for City. Why? <laughs> Believe you me, this is this is head over heart. I'm telling you. But I'm, I'll tell you why I think this. I think City are relentless. We know they're relentless. They're fully capable of going on a huge run. They've literally got to go to Spurs away, um, next, and then they play us at the Emirates. That aside, I, I genuinely think they can win every other fixture. Um, I look at us, we've got some very, very tough games. We've got to go to Anfield, we've got to go to the Etihad, we've got to go to St James's Park. There's big, big tests, and I know so far, don't get me wrong, we've passed every test, we've been absolutely phenomenal. And there's a good chance if we keep everyone fit, there's a great chance we can win the league. But I just think we are such on a tenterhook, it'll get to a stage later on in the season where we will really test the resolve of this squad, where we will see City being absolutely relentless, like they were doing to Liverpool, just grinding teams down. 99 points, can't win the title. They're a machine. Pep's a machine. Yeah, they've shown chinks and weaknesses. They've had no centre-backs this season. Like they're, they're getting back into their stride. And you know when City click, they click. And I, I know we, we're going to be eight points clear. We're going to win our game in hand. And if we continue this this ball rolling but then you look at there's a period of time where we've got a Europa League quarterfinal we play Liverpool away Europa League quarterfinal Liverpool uh, Europa League quarterfinal West Ham away it's a really tough period in a really tight side, side of the season 
And we're basically going to need to play our strongest team for a consistent amount of time. And we know City have got the riches. We know they've got the huge squad. We know they've been there and done it. My heart wants us to do it. I believe we can do it. And I do think if we stay fit and continue progressing as we are, but my head just says that City are a juggernaut and we're going to go very close. But I do think them, them big away games is going to be the test. But there you go. I can't, I don't, that's just my thought process. I want to be completely wrong, but there you go. Fernando in the chat says, Was doesn't want to jink it. You're a smart, smart man. Um, he knows yeah, the drill, mate. Was uh, was says that City City have got the uh, you know the, the power to rebuild. DFC in the chat saying they actually lost Cancelo and didn't have uh, that strong a transfer window. Do you think that's got a a role to play in your prediction, Yem, for Arsenal to win the league? I don't think they're the same beast as what they were, you know, last year. Even I take Was's point on. They are a machine, but we have seen little chinks of problems. I also know you, we've also heard the stories that there is an inter. You know, inside the squad, there are issues, and they are—they do look a different machine. That the Harland tax has come come in this season, where they are, you know, everything has come to Harland, but there's not much else there. I just think, you know, as was said, there are a lot of tests to come for us, but I have belief in this squad, and and you know, I think we can do it. I think we're in a strong position. I think this. I think Arteta and the group of players will not let it go. I'm, 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 I'm. I'm looking forward to us lifting that title on May the 26th when you've uh, cancelled your holiday for. I hope so. I hope so. James, um, you've obviously tipped Arsenal to win the league as well. I mean, what's your thinking behind that? Anything different to what the chaps have said? Uh, No, not particularly. I just think, I think we can beat them at the Emirates. I think the atmosphere that day is going to be incredible. Hopefully I will be there. Um, And we will be there. We will be there. (laughs) Um, we will be there. Uh, <laughs> um, I was going to say, someone said about Cancelo, I actually think that will be a positive for City because Pep has really laid the groundwork to say, look, anyone who isn't being serious here can fuck off. Anyone who doesn't care about this, anyone who thinks, oh, we've won three titles in a row, he's saying the players like Ake, these players, Rico Lewis, who've shown real, real hunger and desire to be in the team, Right, Cancelo, we don't need you. So I think whilst they are losing a very good player there, him making a larger point is going to really motivate them in the second half of the season. One of the reasons I think it comes down to is I think City will win the Champions League and I don't think they'll do the double. And Haaland can't play every game, so they will be significantly weaker when they start rotating around him in the Champions League later stages. But we'll see. It was a really difficult decision for me. I did, it wasn't clear cut at all. I think I went with my heart in the end. I, I I saw Woz's prediction in the text today and I was like, if Woz is thinking Man City, what am I doing thinking Arsenal? And I've just gone with it because I sat and thought hard about it. And the way that we've been playing, there is a pattern to how we play football these days. We are controlling and dominating possession and really, you know, the games even where we've lost and drawn, we were the better team and we are creating chance after chance and Jesus will come back and Trossard looks good. And then I got carried away and thought, yeah, we're going to win this league. Um, as I just bring up the remaining sort of uh, league positions, runners up third and fourth, no real surprise. I think everyone thought Arsenal, Man City were going to be top two. Um, third was a bit of a debate. Um, Yemen, Warren, you've both gone for Newcastle. James and I have gone for Manchester United. And of course, it's the other way around. So we all think that it's going to be Newcastle United to make up the top four. Um, was just quick thoughts on Newcastle and why you think they're going to finish third? 
growth. Mate, they're in the groove. They are in the groove. And not just that, when they come to the Emirates and sat in like absolute shit houses, got the job done and brought on three players off the bench that I would have brought on for us, you know they've got a squad. They've got Isaac coming back, their star man. You know, they, they, they've got players like some Maximan and people like that. They're pulling off the bench. Got strong defence. They've only conceded 11 goals. They lost one home game in the whole of last year. Do, do, do people need to? This this team is serious. They're, they're not here to piss about. So I think I don't I don't think they're going to fall off, mate. I don't think they're just going to disappear into the. You know, they're not going to drop points. It'll be interesting this week. You know, the next three games because you know their key player is out. Their best player is out in Bruno Gamarish. So how they respond to that will tell us: Are they in this in this fight now? With that, you know without their star player how 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 much staying power do they have jimbo jimbo the idea of make, of newcastle making the champions league after 1.5 years or 1.5 seasons is just astonishing uh, and 443 asks tongue in cheek no one see chelsea getting top 4 uh, james final point on the top 4 you've gone for manchester united to finish third eric ten hag's men why uh i didn't think this one as deeply through i just think united have been um since the first two games of the season, they've showed real quality. Um, it is possible that their fixture list will catch up with them. Um, they don't have as deep a squad as Newcastle in terms of when they start dropping players like Casemiro, the level does drop more than us. They've relied a lot on Rashford recently, so we'll see. And also, going back to Newcastle, I think that not only should... Obviously, they're receiving a lot of credit, but I think Eddie Howe especially, because... Most of these players aren't super team players. Bruno Gimaresh is arguably an Isaac, but we haven't seen much of him. Are arguably the only players that they wouldn't have been able to attract had they been a mid-table Newcastle with the size of the club they are. So I think he deserves incredible amounts of credit. Um, but I just think United will pip them. Um, I hope they don't. I think Sabitzer is a, is a decent signing, which may just push it over a little bit. Obviously, when Ericsson got injured, you thought, okay, it's going to weaken. But I think Sabitzer is actually a better option yeah. for them in that midfield. Mm-hmm. Well, we shall see. I asked you guys for your Europa League winners, and Yem's gone for winners. Warren, to be fair, you said final. Uh, James has said winners. I think we're going to go out of the semi final. Not because I've done any scientific predictions, but I just think as we get towards the business end of the season, Mikel Arteta might start prioritising the Premier League just because we're going to edge closer and closer and closer. He might take his eye off the ball in a semi-final against a team in the Europa League. It's just one of those tournaments. Um, Was do you want to explain what you said to me about we'll get to the final and maybe one of a particular tie might might edge us to it? Yeah, I mean, when I, when I genuinely look through that draw, I do only see that Man United or Barca, Barca tie over two legs that are going to punish us or, or trouble us. I, I look... You know, Jose Mourinho's Roma, that'd be nice to shit on them. Um, you know, you go through the draw, there's honestly not really any side I look at. Ajax over two legs, I fully expect it to be. They're no mugs, but, you know, you've got um, Salzburg, no mugs. But, you know, with the Arsenal, we're flying at the moment. And when it gets to the latter stage, you've got to take it seriously. A European trophy would be unbelievable for us. Guarantees, I know we're going to finish top four and probably win the league anyway, so we'll just take, take the double, but... Honestly, I do, I do think it'd be phenomenal to be out there in Budapest, lifting a European trophy, getting Arsenal back on the map, you know, and then um, move on next year and just win the Champions League, just like that. Uh, James, um, Europa League winners. I mean, let me throw you a different scenario, James. Imagine it's United in the semi-final. Two legs 
and we're edging closer to the league. What do you do? Do you throw the Europa League game? No, of course you don't. Um, uh, it's tough. It's very tough. I, I don't have an answer to this. Um, it very much depends on the situation. Um, but yeah, I would put all the leagues in all the all my eggs in the league basket. Clearly, um, we will we will have opportunities in the Champions League later on. Um, I don't know. It's tough. I think we we're forgetting that we are probably top five teams in the world right now. That's what it came down to when I put winners. Um, I did look at it and think, hang on a minute. We are seen as people say if we were in the Champions League, we'd have a serious chance of winning it. So to me, as was said, the only teams that could cause us trouble are United and uh, Barca. And the other question I was going to ask is, does anyone know when the final is? Um, I think it's June, isn't it? It's early. June. He's just booked another holiday. That's <laughs> we are Let me find out. Because... Fucking yeah, I God. finish uni. I finish uni twenty second of May, so I've got the last game of the season and then the final that I should be should be thirty first of May. Okay, so I'll finish uni by then. Excellent. <sighs> we will God. book the tickets. We will be there. Man, you guys are panicking me out. Right, let's just race through some of these. Everybody thinks Manchester City are going to win the FA Cup. It's an obvious hopes. choice to make. Bloody They're hopes, because <laughs> I'm telling you now, up. looking at that drawing, mate, I'm I'm not confident about that. We'd be able them mugs in it still you know what I mean we want them yeah. want them out of there quick time we do we do but Man City fingers across for you from, from all of North London and the League Cup I asked you guys to, to predict the winner Newcastle Newcastle Manchester United James you're going against the grain I think that me Yemen was we're just going for we're just hoping that Newcastle do it James any any last comments on United winning the League Cup pessimistic I just hope they don't win it but um can you imagine? They're already thinking they're the greatest team in the world from getting just from a couple of crappy games, and all you know, of you know, the saltiness. On that, by the way, this talk about Eric Ten Hag six months in. Look at this incredible achievement getting to the final. Two hundred million. They've played Forest, Burnley, Chalt. It's ridiculous. And then, not to bring everything back to Arsenal, but Arteta did the same in the FA Cup going up against Chelsea and uh, City with a far, far worse team. Ten, so, Ten Hag had £200 million worth of player to start off with. It's not the same. Honestly, the levels... that the, Man United fans can pull anything out of their arse. Their squad's honestly, worth a billion as well. Their squad's worth a billion. Oh, honestly. Don't worry about them, boys. Don't worry about them. I'm, not, I'm not worried. Far. It's just funny. It's far, funny... Mate. You know, just watching them go, we are the greatest ever. Casemiro is the greatest midfielder ever. Right, we've been going for 90 minutes. We're going to have this is the longest show we've done so far. And I'm feeling pain for what for was because he's got to be up for his trip to Dublin in about three hours' time. <laughs> was thank you for joining, mate. Really appreciate that. I'm sure he'll be all right. He'll through. be all right. <laughs> if anybody Cut. wants to follow was, he is at Arsenal was. Ian Bele, thanks for joining us. You, you are, of course, at Verge 59. And James, for rushing back from your five side, you are at AFCJXMES. There you have it, guys. There is the mid season review. Um, we are half way through 19 played on the board five points clear of manchester city can we will we uh, i'll leave it to you guys to think about that uh, we will be back at some point over the weekend post-match phone in on saturday and a late night latte to look back at hopefully what will be a win against sean dyche's men at goodison park until then it's bye for now <laughs>